What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Miltrek Media. I am here with funk, soul, duo, desperate, electric, all the way from Montana. How's it going, guys? Thank you for being here. Going great. Thanks for having us, boss. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So you guys recently just came off a tour. So let's talk about that. What was that tour like? Let's tell the audience what went down. How was that tour? Where'd you guys go from? Where'd you guys start playing? Well, we're from Montana, so... Mm -hmm. We, we had, we kind of did a tour kickoff in our hometown and then we did six weeks on the road and we went through North Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, uh, Ohio. I mean, basically just shot all the way to the East coast, played shows the whole way, played shows down the East coast, played in Boston and Philly, Baltimore, Virginia, and then started heading back and we got home on Sunday. That's awesome. Wow. So is that your first time you guys ever visited? Is that the first time you guys ever visited the East Coast? Basically, that was the that was the second time. So we've done almost that exact loop one other time back in 2019. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. So a six-week run, I've never been on tour. I've always wanted to. So what is tour like? <laughs> it's wild. It's so fun and you meet so many people and it's so cool to explore places um that you've never been and just like you know kind of see it from the side of like you're in a music venue and you're really meeting like the community and not really doing touristy things yeah um it's also exhausting <laughs> and it's really i mean you get the whole gamut you know you get a little of everything yeah what is your favorite part about touring I think, I think for us, you know, for a lot of musicians, the performance itself, like, yeah. and just getting to play our music in front of entirely new people every night, you know? Yeah. I mean, especially it's, the last two years, how like live performance wasn't around, but so grateful that it's back. How much did you guys miss performing music in the last two years? Oh my God. Yeah. There's, uh, like, there's not words. No, like, no. I, I took on like three new side hustles during the pandemic. <laughs> we just learned a lot of new I was skills. Just like, I, we were so bored. <laughs> I got a lot of energy and it's, it needs somewhere to go. That was me too. Yeah, I was just going from side hustle to side hustle trying to just keep myself busy. That was exactly me as well. It's wow. wild. It's wild. So you released your first studio recording in 2019. Let's go all the way back to the beginning of Desperate Electric. When did this project first start? Well, we've been through a couple different iterations. Um, Desperate Electric really started in the summer of 2019. However, um, Ben and I, we used to be called Dash. We had a different name. And that project, which, I mean, a lot, we still play some of those songs. That was Ben and I, as the main songwriters, was more of like a four-piece soul rock band. Mm -hmm. Definitely had more of that like rock band feel. Um, and we started that project together in 2018 and we recorded an album. We went on a couple little tours and we basically like <laughs> went sprinting out of the gates and pulled a hamstring basically. Yep. Like, it was yep. like, there you go. And the hamstring is one of the worst muscles to pull. It sucks that rehabilitation process. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it really that's, I just thought of that, but that's the best way to describe what happened to yeah. us. Like we had a four piece band. We tried to communicate from the get go. It's like, guys, we're going to hit it so hard. Like, let's do this. And like, we book tours and everyone's like, everyone loves the idea of the full send on being a musician, but like the logistics of it are very challenging. Yeah. The reality 
is that it's really hard. And I mean, the band is not going to make enough money to support four people for like probably like 10 years, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. You got to so, really want to do it and be able to, you know, reckon with the fact that you're not going to, you know, be rich. <laughs> I mean, or anything of the sort anytime soon. It's not like a, you know, there's not a straight path to superstardom or anything like that. And it's really hard. I mean, you're in the van for like four to eight hours every day. Uh, you know, you're not getting a lot of sleep. You're sleeping on couches and floors and somebody's grandmother's weird guest room with 400 dolls in it or something like you're doing some crazy stuff. And I think a lot of people don't, you know, they, they do that. And they're like, Oh God, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I mean, even me, like I was like, this is, I don't know what I thought it was going to be, but it wasn't this. Yeah. Just have to really want it. It is. Yeah. A lot. Some people may not know, but it sounds like you two, especially you're just going all in. And yeah, it's sometimes hard to keep an ensemble together, a group together, because, you know, it is. It's just a grind from the get go. And you got to give your whole life to it. Basically, like yeah, you said, absolutely. exactly. Like you said, yeah. Being in a band, it could take off after a couple of years or it may take a decade. And it is mm -hmm. it's it causes you need a lot of resilience. Hundred percent. Oh, yeah. Yes. Hundred percent. And that's that's going back to my ham hamstring metaphor like we had the band and then and that was dash we tried to tour sprint out get it all done members started dropping we had tours booked we're trying to replace members on tour yeah and so eventually which i mean i've always been a producer so we're like all right let's lean into that so yeah. let's take kind of our rock soul energy we're gonna play with beats and we're gonna do just the two of us and that's looking back that's one of the best decisions we made because we can really focus on committing ourselves to the craft and to the hustle and you know that's just better longevity for us at least yeah yeah and that's awesome how you talked about that yeah so basically it sounds like the first iteration you were in a band called dash then it became desperate electric the two of you a power duo so basically talk a lot about adapting adapting the music industry and adapting as musicians it sounds like you two just realized you saw the situation in front of you and you just realized you know what we got to change. We got to evolve in order to push it forward. So in terms yeah. of your live show and your live setup, so do you have session musicians or backing musicians when you perform or is it just the two of you with, let's say, some added production? It's yep. just the two of us. So um, we both sing and I play bass and Ben plays guitar and keyboard at our live show. Like he'll switch between the two. Mm -hmm. And then Ben and I, I mean, we both, you know, do some of the production. Ben does most of the production and um, you know, all of our drums and everything like that. And so we use like essentially backing tracks with like all the drum layers, some added synth layers, sometimes some backup vocals. Um, uh, and that's our live show. It's just the two of us. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. going back to being in a band, so advice to new bands, up and coming bands, what is your advice to them in order to move forward? Make sure you're always on the same page. What advice do you have to new and young bands? in order to keep the peace and just to stay a cohesive unit? I mean, communication, honest communication is a big one. Yeah. I don't know if there's like one single piece of advice. I mean, I think like it's also okay to realize that you don't want to do something, you mm -hmm. know, like to give it an honest shot and be like, okay, this, you know, this is not actually what I want to do and I'm going to step away, you know, and realizing that instead of maybe pushing through something that you don't like because you feel like you need to um or you don't want to be like a quitter 
um, I think some of the best things that happened to us were people not continuing with our band because they knew they couldn't like dedicate the time or the energy to it. But also, yeah, I mean, with a band, just commu- and that leads back to like, just communicate, you know, communicate mm-hmm. your needs, you know, really be honest with yourself about what you want and the expectations you have for your life. And then also just like, make sure it's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. Fun is important. It yeah, is. Cause <laughs> it's, it gets really, you know, really tricky when you're trying to, cause music is something that's so sacred to most of the people who make it trying to monetize that. It, it, it can get really cloudy. You can really kind of lose your way. Mm-hmm. And I, I've learned to just be more accepting and understanding of people who are like, I, I can't do it like this. This is not like, this is not how it makes sense for me. It's like, not for everybody. And that's, yeah. that's okay. And it shouldn't be. And we haven't always had fun doing it. And we've had to like work on getting back to, you know, the root of like, we want this. We love making music. That's like why we do this. And it should be fun, you know? Yeah, and that sounds like a great headspace and a great mindset to be in what you just mentioned. Yeah, being in a band, one of the most important things is communication and having fun, of course. That's the beauty of it. You want to have fun. You want to love what you're doing. But yeah, those are some great points. So then even with Desperate Electric, the duo, what are your biggest musical influences? Oh, God. I recently decided on three for me. Yeah, Ben's better Let's start with that. So I've got... And they're in chronological order. So Paul McCartney, I just I just think the guy's a visionary. And Kurt Cobain actually had a pretty big rock and roll grunge phase in there. And then more recently, Frank Ocean. There you go. That's a cool trio. That that's a unique combination. And then what about you? You like that? Yeah. Katie, what do you think? Oh God. I don't know. I so before I started like playing and singing in bands, my entire background was like classical music. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that all through high school and college, studied classical voice um, and performance in that realm. Uh, so I would like that actually has a pretty big influence on, you know, I guess my at least my vocal style. Um, I grew up listen. I grew up in Montana. I grew up listening to like classic rock and country music. So, I mean, whether I like it or not, that's probably a pretty big influence. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. But I also, I mean, I I love all music, obviously. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I love it all. So, I no, can't that's really, awesome. that's like the hardest question for me. What was it like growing up in Montana? What's that like? I'm, I'm a long way away from New York, but I want to travel to so many places in the United States. It's so vast. The U.S. Yeah. There's so many places to visit. What is it like growing up in Montana? Um, I mean, I love Montana. I mean, we still, I still live here. Like, I, I mean, you know, we don't really want to live anywhere else. No, we don't like, want to live anywhere else. I live. I've lived most of my life here. Um, it's really, I think the experience can, like, vary pretty differently depending on kind of where in Montana you grew up. Um, Montana's a huge state yeah and so it kind of has like different little like subcultures in Montana I grew up rodeoing in rural Montana um, (laughs) for a long time I had like 30 kids in my whole high school class Um, oh wow I had 720 in my graduating class Yeah, that is like mine I had 34 so each class had 35 kids it was like and we were cramped in these little rooms yeah Oh my God. Yeah. No, we had 34 kids total in the, in my graduating class, um, in the small town I lived in for a lot of high school. And it's definitely, 
I think it really shaped me in a lot of ways um, because it's, there's not a lot to do. I mean, there's like not a lot of, I mean, we lived kind of, you know, not, not close to really anything. And yeah, there was only a handful of like sports you could do. And then there weren't really, there weren't really other things to do. Like basically everybody played the sports. And if you didn't do that, you were kind of just left out because mm-hmm. there weren't really other extracurriculars. I did band and choir, but beyond that, and I mean, I rodeoed, which that was not like school affiliated. That was just like a thing you could do. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely, there's like an element of isolation to it that I think makes you pretty resilient. Um, you know, there's not always somebody to hang out with or something to do. Um, but there's always something to do in the way of like work or chores or yeah. like, like lots, child lots, labor. Lots of, yeah. lots not, of character building. Yeah. Lots of character building. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Not always like, I mean, I lived like several miles from all of my friends and I yeah. didn't like, you couldn't walk to anybody. You couldn't like ride a bike to somebody else's house. Yeah. It's not you like know? going so, to a bodega down the block in, in Brooklyn or Queen stuff like that. Yeah. It's that more, no, more sparse. I can imagine no, right? more I mean, spread like, out until you can drive. You're just like at home yeah. at the mercy of your parents, you Hanging know, like, out, yeah. Just getting, you're getting real angsty listening to Paramore <laughs> stuff. You know? yeah. There you go. Listen, yeah. there you go. So it's definitely, I don't know. It's, I loved it. I mean, I love the outdoors. I, I think, I mean, it's so like a geographically beautiful here, but it's definitely like interesting to even hear, you know, like there's other places in Montana, people like grew up in the cities, you know, the bigger towns and their experience was vastly different from mine just because like, I, you know, I didn't have the luxury of like living five minutes from a friend's house. Yeah. Yeah. So I got you. I grew up in Northern Idaho. So it's still, it was still like a remote Rocky mountain thing, but I lived in a, what would be considered a bigger town and it was kind of like a little hippie town. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a fairly, though it wasn't very far from where Katie grew up, a fairly different experience. Yeah. yeah. Like everyone I knew played like, I mean, I feel like my town loves like the Grateful Dead. <laughs> there, There's a big jazz festival there. Like just like music is life there and everyone just like holds hands and sings and, yeah. Like it's, as as I traveled more, I'm like that. Like I, I love my hometown. It's it's like it's so nice. It's almost too nice. It's just yeah. everyone just loves everyone, and it's. I got you. That's cool yeah. though. Well, I love talking with music artists about their writing and production process. So you first released your first studio recording in 2019, and even now you're recently coming off the release of your brand new single Karaoke, right? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about before Desperate Electric heads into the studio. How long is the pre-production process for you two when writing a song and getting ready for the studio? It definitely varies. Yeah. Because sometimes we'll like know there's some studio time coming up. It's like, all right, let's like focus on creating right now. But honestly, more so than that, probably like the songs just hit you when they hit you. So like basically from whatever period, the period of time starts from when we finish the last recording process to just like when the next one is and like song ideas just crop up in there and we hang on to the ones we like, we flush them out. So then when we get in the studio, we probably got 10 to 15 ideas or like, okay, these are our high priority ideas. Let's, let's get these down in the studio. See how they start feeling occasionally. Like we get some down in the studio and it's like, all right, maybe not, maybe not with this one. We'll try something else. Yeah. 
let's yeah it just hits us pretty randomly yeah and then sometimes we like just go into the studio and just like you know make something up you know like we don't i don't know that we have like a crazy pre-production process no i feel like we like we like the variation yeah Yeah. so do you guys do a lot of writing beforehand when it's the two of you in a room or do you also book studio time and you kind of just see where the session goes you come do you come up with also a lot of the music on the spot in the studio Probably 50-50. And we actually, we have a studio in our house. That was like our quarantine project. Um, We built a pretty big studio operation in our house. So that's really nice to have at our disposal, you know, and we can really just... This definitely changed the process. Yeah. Because before we would book studio times, like, all right, we got to show correct. Yeah. Like, these are the ideas. Yeah, yeah. They have to to work because we want this many songs. Yeah. So in that way, it was almost limiting having to book it. But now that we've built ourselves an adequate facility, it's it's really opened up the doors to like whatever process can work. So, yeah. you, so you do have your own home studio. So you do a lot of writing and recording at home. How important do you think that is for artists in 2022 to take control of the production process and have some home studio equipment? How important do you think that is to up and coming artists? I'd say it's only getting more important. Like, yeah. yeah, I agree. And it's. It's, it's just in this day and age, like you used to just like play an instrument and then, you know, you like in the seventies, you just play an instrument and you go, there's like one studio in a city. Like Exactly. Yeah. So, so it's just rare just to have the technology. But now that it's so common, it's like, I feel like as an artist, you need to have, you don't need, but it's good to have like an idea of the, even the mixing and the production and the post-production. Yeah. Cause it's all so relevant now. And yeah. it's, Plus, then you can really have like, you know, as much creative freedom as you want. You know, you don't you can really be like self-reliant. You don't you don't need and you're not like I mean, music is a creative process. And some days you're just not feeling it like, yeah, I just, some days you're like, I did, my brain doesn't want to do that today and I'm not feeling it and I'm not going to do my best work. And when you're paying for studio time that can be just, I mean, you can't do that. You have to just, you have to do it. Even if you're not feeling amazing or you, you know, you're like beating your head against a wall, like, you know, especially when you're like, like, I remember our 2019 session, like Katie got sick halfway through our two week studio time. So we just like, there's vocals that Katie will listen back to. She's like, Oh, I sound sick. Yeah. 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 I mean, we didn't have, yeah, that was, yeah. We had that studio booked for two weeks and that was the time we had to record our album. Mm -hmm. And, there was no other, you know, that was it. We had to just do it then. Yeah. And so having the flexibility to like have our own studio and be in complete control of that, I think has been a total game changer and enhanced the quality of the music we're putting out and the recordings we're putting out because we have kind of unlimited time to put into them. Yeah. And your music has been featured in numerous numerous editorial outlets like Buzz Music and Indie Pulse, correct? Was it Indie Pulse was one of the outlets? How have you secured press features as an independent band? We have done it kind of every way you can possibly think of. We have cold emailed people like just, you know, with basically like a press release and please feature us. We have paid like a PR agency. Um, We have used like online submission like platforms, um, both paid and unpaid. Uh, we've kind of, yeah, we've kind of done a little of everything. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, to other up and coming artists and independent artists, what advice do you have to them in terms of if they're trying to secure press releases? What do you think is the best way uh, to go about it and contact these outlets? I think the best thing you should do, because I think a lot of, I don't think all of that was worth it. Um, you know, I think the best thing you can do is reach out, go local, you know, go with mm -hmm. the the publications in your region, in your city, reach out to them. They're going to be more interested in you because you, they, you live there and they can yeah. follow you. They can become a little bit more invested in your journey. Also like, you know, they probably won't charge you. And then you're also building a rapport with those people. Um, I think that has been the press that's made the biggest impact for us um, and kind of gone the furthest um, just in terms, yeah, like stuff that I, I guess we've seen any impact from. Um, I don't know, but also just trying what works for you because what works for us may not work for somebody else. And I think it's important to kind of try everything and see what's the best fit for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in terms Oh yeah, for sure. It's all a learning process. Yeah. It's it sometimes can be overwhelming, but there's more resources than ever before for up and coming musicians and artists, which is really cool. And now especially of course with the internet. We met over the internet. Shout out the internet, right? What a thing. What is it, right? And that's how you meet. That's like the new A and R now. Social media can be that and connect people more than ever, which is great. Absolutely. How do you run your music business? So now there's always talk about when you're an artist, when you're a musician, you're running your own show, you're running your own music business when you're starting out, you're doing the role of a record label to try and build your foundation. So Desperate Electric, how do you run your music business? I mean... We... I mean, we take a super hands-on approach to everything yeah, we, do, we do. And, you know, we do everything ourselves. We do all our own booking we ben does all of our accounting all of our finances um you know i do all of our marketing and social media we do all of our recording production i mean at this point we do everything and i think it's really important to we've always um we've always tried really hard to treat it like it's somebody else's business yeah that's great when you're working for yourself it can be really easy to be like oh i just don't feel like doing it today or like i don't i don't feel like doing X, Y, and Z, or I can just, we can push this to another date. Whereas like, if you, if we were recording another band in our studio and they scheduled time, we would stick to that, you know, or if you're doing accounting for another business, you got to do that, you know, every month. And so really trying to treat it like somebody else is your boss, that isn't you <laughs> to stay on top of things and whatever you need to be accountable. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, Hold yourself accountable oh, yeah. and view it, you know, it is your business and you have to treat it as such if you want it to be that. Oh, 100%. That's a great point. Competency in any professional pursuit is really important. And if you're a music artist, you need to look at it as a business in some aspects. And that's a great point. Kind of stepping aside, not having any personal bias and treating it as if you're running someone else's music business or helping another artist with their career. And that... Yep helps you stay productive and that helps you just keep moving forward that's a great point yeah you guys have a new single coming out friday you have the pre-save link available now in your bio and all your social so let's talk about that single let's talk about when did that song first come into fruition um this one's mostly katie wrote this one really. yeah i wrote 
probably right about a year ago. Yeah. I wrote it right about a year ago. And um, I was just kind of going through some personal stuff. And I, I started when we, you know, during Ben has always been kind of more, I, I would call the primary songwriter, but during COVID, I really started writing a lot more and, you know, kind of pushing my limits as a songwriter and trying new things. And, um, the more I've, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm still like, I'm, I'm not a lifelong bass player. I started playing bass just a couple of years ago, um, and kind of writing more with that kind of skill in mind as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just, I don't know, pushing, pushing myself as a songwriter and writing more than I ever have. And we have a big piano in our living room now. And I was just, I mean, just trying to write a ton last, last spring and last summer, I was just trying to write a lot and see kind of what came out of it. And I don't know, this, this melody popped into my head one day and Ben came home from work and I was like, well, I wrote this melody, but I like do not even know what chords would go under it. So Ben, Mm -hmm. we sat down and, Ben figures that's, that's one of my favorites. It's like a puzzle. Yeah. So yeah I got to take these notes. She's singing. It's like, okay, how are we going to yeah. get yeah. these chords in there? Yeah. And we, we wrote the chords and then we like recorded the song like that night. We were so excited mm-hmm. about it that we recorded like a version, just a, a you know, a really quick like demo I mean, of it like that night. I, mean, I think that, that stayed as the backbone that yep. is now going to be the release single. Yeah. And that shows Definitely. the importance that shows the importance of having some of your own home studio gear set up. You were able to just sit down together and get that idea out right away. You didn't have to yep. wait. Yep. We I I seriously it was like that night or the next day we recorded basically everything I had written and all the ideas I wanted to, I had a baseline I wanted to flush out. Um and we, we recorded it and kind of let it sit for like six months and didn't really touch it. We were working on some other music at the time and some other projects. And then we came back to it, I mean, like, like six months ago? Yeah, maybe. Four or five like months ago? Four or five months, probably. And we, you know, we rehashed some parts of it. We, we changed some things. Mm-hmm. We added stuff. And we really got it to a place that, it's probably one of the songs we've worked on the most individually. Yeah. Like yeah. as that song. Just yeah. like it's got some hours under its belt. You yeah. Know? It really went through a lot of changes and a lot of different iterations. And it's definitely it's it's a pretty different vibe, but I really love it. I hope other people love it. It's it's pretty unique, but I it's a lot of it's all the elements that, that I love about like music and also like playing live and yeah i'm really excited about it that's great yeah i'm really excited to hear it i'm sure all of your fans are excited to hear it as well so last but not least what is next for desperate electric what do you guys have planned for the rest of the year what big projects do you have coming up we i'd say it's the new album and an album tour yeah yeah we'll be playing some festivals this summer around montana wyoming idaho the midwest and then, um, yeah, we're releasing uh, our next full-length album in September. And we're going to go on another kind of big old tour this fall. And mm-hmm. we're excited to kind of get that all announced and, yeah, get a whole bunch of new music out there. That's awesome. That's really exciting. Where can we find you on social media? Let the audience know 
Where can we find Desperate Electric on all social media platforms? Let us know all of your handles. We are at Desperate Electric on everything. Just one word, at Desperate Electric on everything. Just that's it. That's it's pretty easy. We're pretty pretty searchable. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Desperate Electric, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm excited to hear the new song. They have a new single coming out on Friday. Be sure to check them out on Spotify, Apple Music, and follow them. Check them out on all social media platforms. Guys, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Thank you. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Always, always good to chat. Yeah, of course, of course. Guys, thank you so much for checking out another episode of Miltrick Media. I just sat down with Desperate Electric, a duo from Montana. Be sure to check them out on all social media platforms and on streaming services, and we will see you soon.